are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. But I believe God has a word today. What an incredible move of God that we had in our song service and our revival services last week. But I am beyond thankful for the move of God. And uh, I, I just felt God just lay on my heart this week. Uh, just a simple, small word that I, I'm, I don't have an elaborate message to teach to you today or, or preach to you today, but it's going to be simple and straightforward. But I believe God has laid it on my heart to commission some people to go. To commission some people to go. I believe that God is going to renew a burden in some of the people in this room today. I feel it weighing heavenly on me uh, that we're going to leave here today changed and with a new refreshed burden to go and reach and seek the lost. Luke chapter 19 verse 10, I will jump into it. It says, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Matthew 28, 19 is the Calvary's church. Uh, it's our motto. It's, it's what we do here at the Calvary church. It says, go, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we know that name is Jesus. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of age. Can we bow our heads and just pray that God would speak to us today? Whatever he has to say, that God would uh, align our hearts and our mind and our spirit, that we would be able to hear his word. In Jesus' name, God. I thank you, Lord God, for what you've done so far. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you did last week, what you've done this week, and what you're going to continue to do today, Lord God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you use me as your vessel, God. Speak to our church in this moment, Lord God. Help us to receive our word, to be changed, to be moved, Lord God, to feel the burden, Lord God, to do more, to reach more, and to go. In Jesus' name, we pray you may be seated. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Colossians 3.12 says you are chosen by God. Ephesians 2.10 says you are God's masterpiece. Ephesians 2.19 says you are part of God's family. Ephesians 4.24 says you are righteous. Philippians 3.20 says you are a citizen of heaven. You are loved. You are free. You are purchased. And you are redeemed. You are special. You are valuable. Not because I say so. Not because your grandchildren say so. Not because Instagram likes say so. But you are valuable because God says so. Turn to your neighbor and says, you are valuable. We may have flaws. We may have mess ups. We may feel worthless at times, but 
we are valuable in the eyes of God. The maker of the universe crafted you. The God who created the mountains and the valleys and the rivers and the canyons, the oceans and the plains, took the time to form you out of the dust of the ground. He chose the color of your eyes, the pigment of your skin, the curl in your hair or lack thereof. His fingerprints are all over you. His signature is in your soul. You have value. You have so much value that he is willing to wrap himself in flesh, come down as a baby born in a major, and to pay the ultimate price so that you may live. He was mocked. He was beaten. He was spit on. He was persecuted. He was hung on a cross like a criminal. Nails in his hand. Nails in his feet. A spear in his side. We all, so that we all can have an opportunity to live free from sin. Come on, somebody. Are you thankful for the cross? Are you thankful for what God did for you? If we could understand how valuable our lives are, we would be treating ourselves and others with such care and responsibility as we would other things that we hold with true value. With a quick show of hands, how many of us have pets in the room? You have a dog, a cat, a lizard. You have something that you consider a pet, a raccoon. Some people have some weird pets out there, right? Brad, I think you have a a strange pet, right? No? We have some weird pets out there. But when your pet is hungry, your pet is thirsty, your pet needs to be let outside, you don't just sit around and let it starve. You don't just sit, al- sit around and let it uh, become thirsty all day. You take care of it. Why? Because you value your pet. The same could be said about your car. A lot of people love their cars. You love your car when you're going to your friend's house to hang out. You love your car when you're going to Taco Bell at 11 o'clock at night. Amen. You love your car so much that you get the oil changed on time. You might even get it washed a time or two. You value your car. Knowing how special and valuable you are lets us understand that if God took his precious time to form you and equip you to, to create a certain personality that's only specific to you with special talents and abilities and shoe size, It didn't come so by accident. Every single thing that God has created, he has created for a specific purpose in this life. Each of us have been positioned right here, right now, for something greater than our small individual lives. God has a bigger picture in mind. It's not a coincidence that you were born into the family that you have. It's not a coincidence that the friends that you hold so dear to you are around you. It's not a coincidence that you were, uh, that you were orchestrated to have that certain hair color. It's not a coincidence. It's not crazy to think that God ordained this. It's not crazy to think that God ordained a struggle or a situation in your life because he is shaping you and molding you and trying to form something that's going to be bigger and greater than you could ever imagine. 
God has given you the personality for a purpose. He has given you the flaws and pain for a purpose. He has created you the way that you are so we can go and go and seek the lost. Like Esther, you were created for such a time as this. God can use you for something bigger than yourself. If you are willing, God can use your imperfections. If you are willing, God can use your talents. If you are willing, God can use your your pain and your love to influence the lives of others to introduce them to Jesus Christ. Can I tell you the reason that God wrapped himself in flesh and that he came upon the cross was to die for the lost. The reason he left his earthly body and he left it in good hands because he trusted the spiritual body, the church, to continue to work, to be working and moving as the hands and feet of God. He, God has commissioned and he has commanded us to go to go out with compassion for the lost. God's compassion has never wavered. He hurts for the lost. He hurts for the brokenhearted. He hurts for those who have need and who need love. Not because he gets something out of it. It's not because he gets money out of it or he gets some kind of treasure or gratitude out of it, but because he, ha- he does so out of compassion. Compassion means to suffer with. It means I'm going to suffer with you. I'm going to feel that pain that you feel, which is exactly what Jesus did. He didn't just uh, notice people's misfortunes. He didn't just suffer with them. His goal wasn't to simply fix their problem, but it was to see the individuals cared for. Compassion without action is worthless. Compassion is, is noticing somebody's difficult situation and doing something about it. When Jesus saw and he heard the needs at hand and did not hesitate to address them. When the world saw a woman who was an adulterer, they wanted to stone her. But Jesus did not hesitate to kneel down next to her and show compassion for her and turn away the accusers. When the world saw Mary Magdalene as a demon-possessed person, they ran the opposite direction. But Jesus had compassion for her, and did not hesitate to cast out the seven demons. See, when the world saw Zacchaeus, an outcast, a tax collector, a despised worse than a murderer, but Jesus had compassion for him, and he said, come on down, I'm eating with you today, because the sinner can change their ways. When the world saw a man with leprosy and ran in fear, Jesus had compassion, and reached out his hand and touched the unclean to heal him of his disease. We've got to have compassion for the lost. We've got to have compassion for the brokenhearted. We have to have compassion for the people who are in need of Jesus Christ. Amen. No one is too far away that God cannot reach. No one is too messed up that God cannot help. This world tries to portray uh, that you only have one shot in life. It tries to tell you that you only have one chance to live right. But we serve a God of second and third and fourth. Can I get amen and fifth? How many chances do we really get? 
Paul was a man who was persecuting Christians, and he was hunting them down to see them killed. But God used a man named Ananias to help him, to clean him up, and to baptize him. And God gave Paul another chance. And because of that, Paul reached more people than any apostles could ever dream. David was a man after God's own heart because God gave him another chance. Moses became a great leader and a man of good character because God gave him a second chance. See, with God, we have an opportunity for a clean slate. With God, we receive grace, not because we deserve it, but because we serve a loving God. We serve a God who forgives the unworthy. We serve a God who gives security to the insecure. We serve a God who loves the unlovable. We serve a God who gives assurance to the doubter. He gives peace to the anxious. He gives hope for those who have no hope. I don't know about you today, but I love my God, and I am thankful that I serve a God, that he gives me a chance after chance, even though I mess up, even though I fall down, even though I end up in the miry clay, he picks me up. He picks me up and sets me on a rock to stay. My God is a healer. My God is a person who is redeemed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Luke 15 gives us three incredible parables about how far God will reach to save the lost. The parable of the lost sheep where the shepherd leaves his 99 to go and reach that one, one lost sheep. The lost coin where the woman has lost her coin and she flips the house upside down just to find that one coin. And the prodigal son, the one who decided to run away from his father, run away with riches, but his gracious, loving father welcomed him back in. Each story teaches us that there is an unending love of God for all sinners. I don't think you get it yet. Each story tells us that there's an unending love of God for all sinners. How many of us are a sinner in this place? How many of us have messed up? You can never go too far because God will reach out his hand and bring you back in. He is willing to save any sinner, no matter who they are or where you find them. And the three cases of the lost where they were found, uh, they were found with great joy. They were found with, with, with exceeding expectations. They were so excited that they went and told their neighbors that I found my coin. I found my, my sheep. I, I, my son has returned and I am thankful. We are going to throw a party. We are going to celebrate. They returned with great joy. It even tells us in verse 7 of Luke 15 and 10 uh, that all of heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents. Now, don't take this the wrong way, but I believe in divine healing. Last week, God healed me of, of a hurting back. I was dealing with some back problems, and I believe that God healed me, and I, I don't have any more pain. It's amazing. I believe in a God who can do divine healing 
And I could testify that it works. But I have never read in this Bible where, where all of heaven rejoices over a person who is healed of cancer. I, I have never read a, a, all of heaven rejoicing over a person who is healed of a back problem. I believe in casting out devils. I believe that they need to come out of those souls. I believe that we believe that here at the Calvary Church. But I've never read where all of heaven rejoices when a demon flees, when a demon flees a person. I love hearing my pastor preach every Sunday morning. I love hearing Pastor Ellis. He's an incredible teacher. I am thankful for my pastor. I love that he speaks into my life. But I've never read where all of heaven rejoices because someone preached a good sermon. See, listen to me, Calvary. You may never have the opportunity to cast out a demon. You may never have an opportunity to to heal the sick. You may never have an opportunity to stand behind a pulpit and preach a good message. But there is one thing that you can do. There is one thing that you can do. You can step out in faith and begin to speak about the goodness of Jesus. And you can tell a person that they don't have to live with addiction any longer. You can tell a person that they don't have to live with sin any longer. That they don't have to live with depression any longer. Why? Because I know a man. I know a man who can heal you. I know a man who can deliver you. I know a man that can bring you out of that addiction and set you free. There is one God that can satisfy all the needs. I believe when you begin to speak about Jesus to the lost, the angels begin to warm up their voices. I believe the band begins to start practicing their instruments. I believe the floors of heaven begin to shake when one sinner starts to speak to Jesus. See, you don't understand that when one person... One person repents, all of heaven rejoices. It's not just one person rejoicing. It's not just a congregation, but it is all of heaven rejoicing and thanking God that one person have changed their life around. Heaven is anticipating. Heaven is watching. Heaven is waiting and itching, just ready to rejoice, ready for another person so that they can sing praises of God's goodness. They are just waiting for it. Go. 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 Why don't you just go? Go and introduce someone to Jesus. Go and introduce someone to the guy who saved your life. Go and introduce someone who can change any situation. Go and spread the gospel. You don't have to be perfect. You don't, it's not your reputation that's on the line. It's not you doing the work, but it's God. His reputation is perfect. His reputation is flawless. It's not us that's on the line. We have to remove that spirit of fear that we can't do more to reach the lost. We have to remove that spirit of fear that tries to uh, condemn us and tell us we're not worthy enough. We'll never be worthy enough. We'll never be worthy enough. We are all yet sinners. Jesus' name. 
One of the deadliest battles of World War II was at Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge is on the island of Okinawa. I'm probably butchering that, and I apologize. But more than 12,000 Americans gave their life during that stint of the battle. At the dark time of war, a story of courage and faith emerged. On May 1st, 1945, a medic named Private Desmond T. Doss and the U.S. Army's 307th Infantry decided to take matters into his own hands. Doss, a disciple of Jesus Christ, felt a call in his life to save lives in the midst of a world war. He knew that while he couldn't win the war by himself, he could at least try to save one life at a time on the battlefield. As bullets flew by, as shells burst around them, Private Doss lifted his first wounded comrade and carried him to safety. But it didn't stop there. For 12 straight hours in the midst of the dark and dangerous battlefield, he continued to save lives. He said, I was praying the simple prayer over and over again. I was praying the entire time as he saved another life, three lives, and then four lives. He said, I was praying, Lord, please help me get one more. Doss went on to save five people, praying, Lord, please help me get one more. And he saved 15 people, Lord, please help me get one more. And he went and saved 20 people. Desmond T. Doss saved 75 people that night from their immediate death. He prayed the entire time, every single time, help me get one more. One life is worth laying it all down for. One life is worth chasing after. Can I tell you that one soul has more value than all the riches in the world? That one soul, one individual is worth anything you can accumulate here on this earth. We've got to remember in the church today that we live in a world that is full of sin and on their way to hell, which is a reality. But we can't stay, we can stand in the gap and be the church, and be the mission, and be the ones that can reach and pull them out of the devil's hand, and pull them out of the fire that they are in. We are the ones who are there to stand in the gap. We are the ones who are needed to be the first responders to those who are broken and in sin. We have the answer for every spiritual wound. We have the answer for every broken heart. We have the answer for everything that goes wrong when people says there's nowhere to turn. We are the ones that reach out with mercy and love and said God can still use and move on your life. I don't care if the world has written you off. I don't care what society says about you that you have no value. God says you are worth everything to him. We are the ones that respond to the broken. We are the ones that are led by the spirit of God every single day to go, to go, to go, to go. We can't take a day off. We can't take a day off and just assume that someone else is going to pick up the mantle. You have people in your workplace that only you can reach. You have people in your school that only you can reach. 
We are called to go and seek and save those who are lost, to be the salt and light to the world, to represent God in all things that we do, to be the hands and feet of God, to buy into his plan and his purpose of our lives. There is nothing, there is nothing that can come against you. There is nothing that can stand in your way. No miracle, there's no miracle that God can't meet. There's no issue that he cannot overcome. We must go. We must go. We must go. A few weeks ago, a senior high camp, we had an incredible, incredible, awesome time there. Uh, Incredible, awesome, awesome. Uh, We had a great time at senior high camp. It was, uh, it was wonderful. And, uh, but something really, really cool happened at senior high camp on and it wasn't during one of the services. It wasn't during uh, what you would think would, uh, would be a cool, cool spot for God to move. But it happened right after a split session. It was Thursday, and we had split sessions. The, the youth had four opportunities where they can uh, go to different things. They could go to the PKs, which are the preacher kids. They can go uh, and learn more about music. They can learn about youth ministry. And they can learn about She's for Christ. Right after that split session, I was outside the tabernacle, and our very own Leah, Leah Musselman, uh, ran up to me and said, so, so emphatically, so pumped up and ready, Anthony, hey, I, I just got out of the She's for Christ session. I want to raise money for She's for Christ. I said, that's awesome. I said, I got, I, got, I got ways to help you out. I got flyers we can pass out. I can get you one of those coin banks. I can get you set up. Let's connect on Sunday, and, and, and we'll get you all set up. And I didn't think much of it there. But later on that night after service, that Thursday night, I was in the cafeteria. We were all eating our pizza like Pastor Ellis always gets for us. Thank you, Pastor Ellis. Um, and, and Leah ran up to me. She said, Anthony, I said, hey, and she pulled out this big wad of cash. And I was like, what is that? Like, I'm talking like it was rolled up. It was a big wad of cash. And I'm like, what is this for? Where did you get this? She says, I I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait till Sunday to start collecting money. So I went around all the kids in the, in the, in the cafeteria and to, and to different people there, and I said, can I have some donations for She's for Christ? And then at that time, she raised $84 for She's for Christ. But it didn't stop there with Leah. No. Leah's awesome. We love Leah. She got back home from camp, and it didn't take her long to jump on Facebook and start a GoFundMe for She's for Christ. She raised over 150 more dollars for She's for Christ. Praise the Lord. If you don't know what She's for Christ is, it's a, it's a thing that the youth ministries uh, are a part of, and they, they donate the money, and they, and they, they send this money to missionaries all across the world to help pay for their vehicles and, and, and to Tupelo's children's mansion and different things that it sponsors. Praise the Lord. Amen. 
You may say it's just a few dollars. You may say it's, it's just, just $100 or $200. You may say it's, it's not much, but it's more than that. It's not about the money. It's never about the money. It's about the response. The response to do whatever it takes to save the lost. The response to, to, to do whatever it takes to reach those who are in need, to spread the gospel. God did not call us out of darkness so that we can stand around and look at our own light. He did not call us to say, hey, your light looks cool, my light looks cool, awesome. No, he, he called us out to reach a dark and, and, and world who is in need. There is a God who loves those who are hurting. We need to be doers of the words, just not hearers of the word. We need to become more motivated for the loss than we ever have before because I believe time is running short. Some of us have got too, so I wish some of us would get so attached to our personal testimonies and the goodness of God in our lives and how he has given us a second chance that you would want him to do more for you and do more for others. We need to be able to look at someone in the eyes and be able to discern that they need God right now. We need to be able to look at them and say they need a friend right now in this moment. We need to invest we need to teach Bible studies. Say that again. We need to teach Bible studies. God will give you back your time. God will give you back your energy. God will give you back your money. He will bless you. There's nothing better than investing into someone else's life and making disciples. Amen? If we can all stand. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis describes the world in which we live as an enemy-occupied territory. He says, we work, we play, we eat, we sleep, and we live in the middle of a harsh spiritual battlefield. The task of fulfilling the Great Commission that making disciples of Jesus Christ for every nation, for every tribe, and every language group seems overwhelming. It does. The enemy, the world, and our own sinful nature actively battles against us every single day. We know that we cannot do it on our own. But the good news is that we are not alone. Jesus reminds us in the Great Commission that I am with you always to the end of the age, to the end of all time. He tells us again in Hebrews 13 that he will never leave us or forsake us. The greatest thing that we can do to prepare us to go is to stay connected to the vine, which is Jesus Christ. We must allow him to prune away the things that are keeping us from doing his work and his will. Allow him to sustain us, 
to lead us, to guide us to those who are in need. If we stay connected to him, we'll represent the love of God to every every person that comes in our paths. Our branches will reach further and further and people will come and see and say, what do you have? What is it that is doing work in your life? On the wall near the main entrance to the Alamo in San Antonio is a portrait of a man who fought and gave his life for the battle named James Butler Bonham. No one knows what Bonham looks like. And I know you are looking at that picture like, it's not that guy. He died before the camera was invented. As far as anyone was able to know or or determine, there was never a picture, a portrait painted of this man. This picture, which hangs in the Alamo, is actually told to be a portrait of his nephew, that bore the same resemblance to him. It is placed here by his family that people may know the appearance of the man who died for their freedom. The same can be said about Jesus Christ as well. There is no literal portrait or, or painting of Jesus that exists. However, his likeness should be seen through his people. Paul tells us that we are ambassadors of Christ. We may be the only Jesus that some people will ever really know. The question is, can the people in your life see Jesus through you? Are you making Jesus real to the people we come in contact with? Are you sharing the love of Jesus? Are you sharing the joy of Jesus Are you sharing the peace and patience and kindness that Jesus can offer? All of us fall short, but we all should strive to go and share his love with others. I'd like to pray over you right now before I ask you to come to this altar. God, I pray that your word, Lord Jesus, would quicken our hearts. I pray, Lord God, that we would leave this place changed and burdened to do more in our day-to-day work. To do more for your kingdom's sake, God, I pray that you would allow us opportunities, Lord Jesus, to speak of your goodness and your grace. God, if there's anything within me, Lord God, that does not represent you, I pray, Lord God, that you would remove it. That you would prune it out of my heart, God. That you would remove it out of my mind and my spirit, Lord God. Don't let me affect people, Lord God, not being saved. Don't let me, Lord Jesus, affect people losing their faith in you, Lord God. Help our church, Lord Jesus, to feel the burden to go. Help us, Lord God, to feel the burden to go and do more for your kingdom's sake. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, if you feel a burden to do more, if you're willing to do more for God, if you're willing to get into the mess of people's lives and demonstrate true compassion, if you're willing to further your ministry to have a greater impact in your work, in your church, in your community, I'll ask that you would step forward right now. 
If you want to see God do a work in your friends, if you want to see God do a work in your family, if you want to see God change the lives around you, we must take action. We must allow God to change us from the inward out. We must allow God to fix us, to mold us, to shape us, to use us for his glory and his purpose. God, help us to see the bigger picture, Lord God. Help us to see, Lord God, and feel the weight of those who are lost, Lord Jesus. To feel the weight, Lord God, those who are hurting and in need of you. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, Thanks for listening.